Good evening, everyone. And welcome to this month's In Conversation with Robin and Claire Dillamore. And they'll be sharing their insight into being a worshipping community, being a people of God, and how we move on in this new season. So welcome, Robin and Claire. Yeah, good evening, everybody. It's um, an absolute joy to be with you, to be invited to share some of our thoughts with you. Um, yeah, Chris said a little bit about our journey. Um, very briefly, we we spent quite a large part of our adult life in various kinds of church leadership um, and found ourselves also, um, several years ago now in a situation we never expected to, um, with things kind of uh, falling apart around our ears, um, which, which left us in a in a place where we've since then been exploring really what it means um, to be the community, to be the people of God um, in a holistic way. So some of what we're sharing tonight has come out of that journey of several years, but a lot of, a lot of what we're going to share has actually come out of this last season, um, which I'm sure everybody um, on the call will agree has been an opportunity for a reset and a rethink um, about how we do life and what's important. Um, so our, our particular questions are, what does it mean to be the people of God? Um, and what does it mean to live in authentic relationships with others, particularly when a lot of us have been very isolated in this last season? And what does it actually mean to worship together? Um, so some of, some of what we've uh, come to the conclusion, these are initial conclusions, kind of working hypotheses, um, that we've become increasingly convinced that although this online community is is clearly really beneficial and and you know we we couldn't have done the last year without some of this that real and vital and local community is still really really important for the people of god because if we don't live together in proximity with each other we can't really see each other um i was on a call the other day with some friends and thought oh, isn't it great i'm really getting to know these people much better and i am but i still really have no idea what's going on with them day to day and they don't have any idea what's going on with me either they you know they can't call me out on um Claire you, you know you're being even more irritable and short-tempered than usual what's going on with you this week you know that 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 kind of question where somebody might notice if they're seeing me day to day but not you know not seeing me um face to face if you see what I mean um and as we've been thinking about talking tonight um, we've we've revisited some um, teaching that we heard a few years ago now from a couple we've never met them we don't know them um, but they really impacted us with their teaching called um, they're called Tannen and Christina Herman and they live near Harrisburg Pennsylvania um, where they live in a really um, deprived area of their city called Allison Hill and they live in a community uh, which is seeking to reach their wider community and really seeing some, some fruitfulness in what they're doing. Um, and part of what they've developed as a, um, as a result of their journey is a, an acronym and a model for community, which they arrange around the word PAVE, P-A-V-E. And they talk about these aspects of community involving proximity, accessibility and availability, vulnerability, and employment or engagement. And We've found that model, even today we've been discussing it, haven't we? Found that model quite useful in just assessing what's going on with our own communities locally and online and just um, seeing perhaps where there are gaps and where there are areas for development. Um, something that I felt prophetically over this last um, six months or so, I suppose, is that 
God is relocating people. Um, and we've actually seen this practically happen with some of our friends, that God is re relocating people. And some of the time he's relocating people into community because this last season has exposed the fact that um, what we thought was community around us locally actually isn't. It's been pseudo community. It's been proximity, but it hasn't been being relational and it hasn't been being accessible or vulnerable to one another. And as a result of that, we're seeing people relocating where they are identifying a tribe elsewhere and thinking, um, you know, it's a deliberate decision to move, to be part of something that is not just virtual. And I know uh, we watched uh, the recording, we weren't able to be on the call last month, we watched the recording um, with um, Jonathan Bugden, and he touched on the fact that God is relocating some people into very isolated and pioneering situations. But our, we're, we're very conscious of the fact, aren't we, that Jesus always sent people out two by two, and that where we are being, where people are being sent into new places, community is still a really vital part of what they're going to be mm. doing in that in that place. Um, so we don't think that the Lord is asking us to throw out the benefits of virtual communities that are clearly bringing us life. But along with a lot of the meetings we've been involved with, we're, we're starting to wonder, was probably being, becoming convinced that as we move forward, we're going to be seeing a blended response to community. That online community will still play a massive part for a lot of us, um, but that doesn't ever replace what God is doing locally and in proximity with other believers. Um, there's a, a book I've really enjoyed reading a, a couple of times. Um, so I have props here. It's called uh, Being Church by John Alexander. It was actually published posthumously about 10 years ago now. Uh, so John Alexander um, led a community in San Francisco. Um, and one of his favorite phrases that we are called to be church for the sake of the world. And we're called to demonstrate to the world what love is, what love really looks like across ethnic um, divides, across generations, across cultural differences, that as we're learning to love one another, we, we actually become evangelistic. So I love that. I recommend that book to you. It's, it's very thought provoking. I don't agree with everything it says, but it's, um, it's, it always challenges, challenges me. So in the context of community, um, we, we, we're just loving exploring what it means to be a worshipping community. And again, we have a conviction that worship is meant to be the, the central activity of what we do as the people of God. It's a, it's a unique calling. There are lots of other communities and expressions of life around, but worshipping is something that the church is uniquely called to. And it actually forms us. Um, we've come across a, a chap called Harold Best. I think um, I might have misnamed him as Howard Best elsewhere, but he's actually called Harold Best. I think he's still alive. He's about 90 if he is. Um, he's an incredibly talented musician and composer and a, and a reformed theologian. He's in a Southern Baptist context. Um, and I read something from him recently where he, his, his sentence challenged me. He said, we were not created to worship. And I, and I read that. I thought, yes, we were. Of course we were. That's, what, that's the whole point. We were created to worship. And I thought, well, I'll just read on, Claire. Calm down. Um, and as I, as I read on, he, it was so, so good what he says, that we were not created to worship. We were, we were created worshipping because worship is about outpouring. And we were, we were created in the likeness of an eternally continuous outpouring God who is constantly pouring himself out, Father to Son, Son to Spirit, Spirit to Son to Father within the Trinity and pouring himself out into his people. 
and and so we were we were formed in that image and so we're always all worshiping something what our choice is is what or who is it that we choose to worship mm. and and that overflows into our whole lifestyle because we can never stop worshiping because it's who we are um and and i think I think for, for me, certainly in our evangelical church context, worship can become a very individualized thing. And even in a corporate context, we can start thinking about how is this, how is this time of worship affecting me or how am I engaging with this time of time of worship? But we're beginning to see just how vital it is that we see ourselves as a worshiping community and that worship as a lifestyle actually flows out of <laughs> the um devotional lifestyle of a community as well as the devotional lifestyle of us as individuals and um, I, I just really wanted to read a quote i um i came across this week so it's from a, a baptist minister called christopher ellis who um was for a season of time the i think he was president of the of the baptist union i got that right not sure. Not sure. I, I think, think so. he is. Yeah, I think you are. Um, anyway, he said he he says this, and it, this this really put into words what I was um, wanting to articulate tonight. So I thought I'd, I'd steal his quote. Um, he said, "Worship stands at the heart of the Christian community. Such worship is not contained within the walls of a church building, and is not restricted to what happens within a worship service. It's an attitude of life and a way of being Christian." It will impinge on every part of living. However, that's how things ought to be when we're being logical or healthy. But in reality, we get sidetracked, deflected and self-absorbed and need specific opportunities to focus on God in a worshipful and awestruck way. This is where worship as a particular event at an agreed time and in an agreed place becomes so important. Worship is an occasion when what should be true all the time becomes true for a short time. <laughs> it's in a book called um, called Gathering by by Christopher Ellis, and I I just I felt that just said it all for me that um, I think last time Robert and I um, met met with some of you online and had an opportunity to speak we were discussing the tension between uh, a worship as a lifestyle and worship as a devotional practice and the two are inextricably linked because I don't think for me personally I don't think we're going to be very good at worshiping as a lifestyle if we're never worshiping actually taking time aside as individuals and as a community to worship um, but it works the other way around as well that um we're not going to be particularly good at worshiping when we get together if worship doesn't fill our whole lifestyle so i think i'll land what i wanted to say there and over to my dearly beloved yeah i just wanted to pick up on what claire has said and talk around the question what does it actually mean for us to be a worshiping community um as claire said we what we are saying today are not uh things which we are going to say uh, this this is true you've got to agree with us we we are very much making things up as we go on our journey um learning as we go and looking forward to dialoguing with you in the latter part of this meeting in order to actually hear your thoughts on the things we said and, and learn from your experiences as well but we we've been on this journey since in the last seven years in particular where since we we're no longer in a traditional style of church but 
we're in a position where we had a blank sheet and could actually start to think for ourselves, what does it actually mean? What, it, what are the key ingredients of church? What does it, what should it look like for us to be doing church in, in the future? Um, one of the things that we, uh, we are struck by is um, the John 13, the famous verse by this, I think it's John 13, 34, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That is a clear indication that it's going to be our community existence that will be a demonstration to the world. And that's one good reason why online community cannot be the, the full and complete answer to the need for community, because the world isn't going to see our online communities. The world, it will, and the world won't see our community if we're only sharing life 90 minutes per week on a Sunday either. So somehow, Jesus is referring to an expression of church, which is more than once a week, which is so real and such a sense of sharing life together that it's impactful. Um, and people look at it and think that is supernatural. So somehow what we're looking for is, is something we've not seen that much of. We've seen glimpses of it, and I'm sure all of us have seen glimpses of this through our lives, but it feels like the full, fullness is, is something ahead that we are going after. Um, we've become convinced that it's a, it's, it has to have the presence of God at the centre of it, um, just as in David's tabernacle, uh, in the time of David when he was king, he brought the, the Ark of the Covenant to Zion and had it right next to where he was because he wanted the presence of God to be at the very centre of, of that nation. Um, but also he established worship around the clock, around that tabernacle, he, is, he established something which, is, which then became the norm for Israel from that point where the worship of God was at the very centre of the nation's life. And we believe that if we are going to build effective community, it has to be centred around the presence of God. And with God's presence at the centre, that means that our first response has to be worship. We're aware that worship means different things for different people. In evangelical settings, it tends to mean the time of singing on a Sunday morning um, for 20 or 30 minutes. Whereas we're discovering that in liturgical settings, the word worship tends to mean everything that you do when you come together as church. So the very word worship can have different means, meanings for different people. Um, it helps us to think in terms of that uh, tabernacle of David, that everything that was going on around as a response to the presence of God at the heart of their, their nation, everything that was going on, in, on around that tabernacle was worship. And that involved prophecy, it involved praise, it involved some pouring out of complaints or, or heartfelt yes. pain in the presence of God. And it's all worship. Um, but the key ingredient in it all is that God is central and God is seen as central, and he's the focal point of our activity. And of course, in Revelation 4 and 5, we see the same thing again, that the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb are the very centre, surrounded by all the activity of worship of the angels, the myriads of angels, the 24 elders, and the four living creatures. So it's important that worship isn't just seen as for the specialists, for those who are able to sing, or those who can play an instrument, the worship is for all of us. Uh, and we have to work out what that actually looks like in practice. Ephesians 5:18 onwards says, be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And he goes on to say, and being subject to one another 
in the fear of Christ. And all of that is our worship. And all of that is going to impact the world when we, when we learn how to live as spirit-filled people in our worship together. And for me, that verse is also a, a clue that being filled with the Spirit isn't an individualistic thing for me to enjoy in my small corner and for you to enjoy in yours. Being filled with the Spirit actually is something that we enjoy and live to the full in community and which we can't live in the fullness of in our individual isolated existences. So somehow we believe there's a seven day a week reality for us to press in for a way of learning again to share life together. And that, that is what we've been exploring um, as we've, over the last three or four years, we've in different ways, we've been sharing our home with people or seeking to do community with people, sharing life together and living in close proximity to one another. Currently, we're not sharing our house with anybody. It's just the two of us and the dog, um, who thankfully is now quietly sleeping at my feet. Um, but we're still doing life on a regular basis and pursuing what that can look like in meaningful ways. And yeah, a big thing which is informing all of our thinking about this is that we're called to make disciples. And two big questions that we're asking as a, as a kind of litmus test for everything we're doing is, is how can we make disciples if we're not being disciples? And how can we be disciples unless we are doing, and sh doing life together, sharing life together in meaningful ways so that um, there's genuine accountability? As Claire said earlier, uh, that if, if I'm having an off week, somebody notices because they can see me from day to day and recognize that the pressures of life or the stresses are beginning to take over and I'm no longer living in the peace and the joy of the Lord. You can, you can put on a good face for an hour on Zoom. In fact, all of us have to do that quite a lot at the moment. But if you're sharing life people day in, day out, or at least several times a week, then they will notice and you won't be able to just keep putting up a good front. Um, and that's for us what real accountability should look like. Um, so one, one of the things we're actually asking ourselves and have started to talk with others in our little community here are is how can we start to, what are the key practices and how in, in weekly rhythms, how can we establish um, ways of fitting all of these key practices into our life? So instead of in a 90 minute period, trying to pack everything in, so we're having some, some of the Bible, a bit of Bible, a bit of singing, a bit of breaking bread and, um, a bit of fellowship and a bit of giving and trying to pack it all into 90 minutes are the rhythms over the course of each week that we can establish, which means that we are getting into the word together on a weekly basis. We are um, breaking bread together on a weekly basis. We're worshiping and praying together and, and so on. Um, Sabbath, practicing Sabbath together and fasting regularly as a communal activity and also giving, um, not necessarily expecting everybody to give into a central pot, but together, just as in, I think it was Corinthians, Paul writes to them and says, put some money aside at the beginning of each week on the first day of the week, so that when I come, we can uh, bring up, take up a collection for the, the church in Jerusalem. Are the ways in which we can be sharing together the needs that we're all aware of, so that we're all giving together with a real sense of faith that we're actually helping to build up the body of Christ in the way that we're practicing our giving. Mm. So I think our 20 minutes are up. So we've hopefully thrown out a few uh, thought-provoking um, 
suggestions and ideas and yeah would love to hear your thoughts and comments and questions on the things we said thanks robin and claire they're interesting points they're, they're points we've been discussing in restoration house as well mm -hmm. along with things like what is authority and responsibility and you know the big questions uh, which we don't have the answers to, but you know, I'd like to open up now. Anybody like to comment or add or question? Thank you. Um, really helpful, um, <laughs> Robin and Claire. Uh, I quite, I, I was with you all the way, hmm. and right at the end, we've got to church. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're worshiping, fellowship, prayer, Bible study, Sabbath, breaking bread, fasting, and giving, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, like you, you know, I've been challenged through much of my Christian life. How do we make life real? How do we make it relevant? How do we make it genuine? And gathering around the presence is really one of the key things. Uh, and I'm just not quite sure. I'm, I'm a, uh, a friend of Johnny Bugden who was speaking a month ago, and he's been quite involved with what. I uh, and, uh, and Ginny were doing, um, you know, how do we do church going forward from here? Uh, but work, being a worshiping community centered around the presence of God, I think is the key thing. Can I ask, were you, was that a negative or a positive response to this? I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know really, Robin. I, mean, I, don't, I, I just, I love what you were saying, sharing and with you all the way going through. And suddenly we got to the end and thought, oh, that's church. <laughs> can, I, can I come back briefly on that? Yes, yeah, certainly. I'm, I'm glad you've challenged us on that. Um, we've, one, one thing we are finding is that unless we actually do agree on we're going to do such and such at such and such time of the week or on such and such time of the day, it will never happen. Even if we all, with, in our heart of hearts, want to be part of a worshipping and praying community, we have to, we're finding we have to put dates and times in the diary, otherwise it just doesn't happen because the, uh, our fleshly um, desire for comfort gets the better of us. So we've, we're managing or working out this tension between uh, discipline and delight so that we're disciplining ourselves with a view to godliness. We, our deepest desire is to be worshippers and to have the presence of God at the centre of everything. Uh, but also to be, be people who get into the, the scriptures together, um, people who are engaging in activities like fasting, because we know that helps us to, to stay alert and watchful rather than get flabby and um, comfortable. But all of these things we're finding, like in Amos 3.3, it says, and let do two walk together unless they have an agreement, that we have to actually, and this is why we're having discussion with our, our little community, is we want to come to a place of agreement so that we can then all hold each other to an accountability. Okay, we agreed that this is what we're going to do each week. So, so let's do it. But it's it's spread through the week rather than all shoehorned into a ninety-minute slot on a Sunday. Yeah, and it's, it's a really great question, Hugh. Thank you, because I I, th I feel like we are trying to walk out the tensions yeah. inherent in that. Because um, we've been influenced in the last couple of years by a book uh, called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Um, who actually talks about, he defines discipline as, as, as it achieving for us what we couldn't achieve by our 
own natural efforts. And I think mm. we because we because we're not um, focused on a Sunday meeting in our current context, we've had a lot of space to explore what disciplines might feel like and look like spread over a longer period of time and i think one thing we have really found benefit in a in a disciplined rhythm of fasting for example um so the the, the principle of having a, a fasted lifestyle where it's not just a one-off or for a special event it just becomes embedded into who we are um but we love spontaneity as much as the as much as the next person. I mean, we're we're involved in David's tent and burn. You know, we like we like swelling out with um, with everybody and uh, mm. and the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I think we just we just uh, appreciate your mm. perspective. We just um, I think probably with you on just trying to work out how to how to how to live in the sweet spot of the tension between what may seem to be polar opposites, but actually, probably possibly um sit together more comfortably than we might think and if and if i can just add we yeah. are, we're looking ahead at some point the lord is going to start to add to us those who are being saved we wanted to create a community in which people will be discipled so even if we've got a bunch of mature christians at the moment who all know how to read their bibles for themselves and don't really need a community discipline for their own sakes we we want to look ahead and create a community discipline so that when people are joining us then it will benefit them and help them easily to be discipled in that context nice. anyone yeah. else <laughs> jim then robin okay i wanted to just mention a couple of things i i was hearing um romans 12 1 and 2 mm. that as we present ourselves to the lord that becomes our spiritual worship that becomes our our worship and it has to be a daily personal place that we continue to present ourselves before the lord and and worship him just in our life as we as we live and move and have our being in christ and and that um Several years ago, I was in a, a meeting in uh, Buffalo, and it was a it was a worship gathering, and it was um, actually my son-in-law was part of the team, but it was a gathering of all uh, churches, a bunch of churches in the area, and God um, began to show me how this is what this is what church was that uh, as a corporate place of worship. But we're living in community, in our own communities during the week and in our lives, but in the um, the corporate setting. And it was, you know, if it's once a week, once a month, or however however you do the, the corporate gathering, but it has to be born out of relationships and groups. And and um, and so we we meet uh, every other week with a group. They come to our house, and in fact, they're going to be coming tonight. We're at it's only four o'clock, quarter to four, where we are. We'll be gathering for food and fellowship, and opening up the Word, and um, we bear each other's burdens. We'll be praying for each other, and and have that relationship. But we all um, several one couple goes to a different church, and I, I haven't really been going to church, unfortunately. But but anyway. We're, we're gathering together and living life um, 
in a smaller group, but yet gathering for larger worship events, you know, at other times. So I think it has to go up in the personal place, the personal worship to a, uh, a little larger group and then the, then the corporate. So I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, um, I like what you said, and I agree it's, it's church, but every, everything that you mentioned is important to do. So, um, so it's, it's a matter of finding your, your place and how you are going to walk this out, you know, with the people of the Lord. So. Thanks, Jim. Robin? Hi there. <clears throat> Thanks, Robin and Claire. I, I think, you know, we're with you on everything you say, and we believe it. So, but I've got a comment and then two, two related questions, please. Uh, uh, I suppose the comment is, and it's not a negative comment, um, it's not meant to be a negative comment. Um, John called the, the 70s earlier on the happy days, and one of the reasons they were happy was because at that stage we still knew all the answers. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we, we believed in, in the in the early house church movements and communities and things like that. That if we lived life well enough, people would be drawn to us and would flock to us. Uh, but they never were. And uh, there's lots of story around all of that. But I've come to the conclusion that you know we need to be somehow outward looking as well. Mm. And reaching out, and I don't know how to do that uh, very well. Um, so it's the, the the business of people spontaneously coming to us hasn't worked for us yet. Um, the two questions are well, one is about how to be the outward, how to do outward looking, and the the related question is your point about proximity, and how do we do that in these days? Um, we're managing a situation where we have very close relationships in our, in our church situation, but we're managing the total spectrum of folks who, you know, we don't have our own premises, we're a house fellowship, and in Northern Ireland, we're not allowed to meet in houses at the moment. Um, uh, you know, we're only gradually being allowed to meet one or two outside. Uh, and we've got the whole spectrum in our group of people who are, um, very much good law-abiding citizens and, and quite frightened by the whole COVID thing on one end through to the others who think this is a load of nonsense and stuff it and, and uh, you know, why, why doesn't everybody see the con that's going on mm. and every, every, everything in between and we're trying to manage keeping relationships and keeping unity and being wise and, uh, and that's worked okay in Zoom but how do you get back to proximity? And at what point do you say, because it's essential and it's essential for things like communion and sharing meals together and stuff like that. But at what point do you say, uh, well, this is more important than what the government says or, or whatever, you know? So it's, it's kind of, we're in that tension because um, certainly, I better stop in a moment because I could, I could say too much, but. Uh, you know, the church The church is going to morph into the church that does as it's told and the church that doesn't. And somehow or other, we've got to work out 
where we're at in that and 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 what's what God wants us in it all. So hard I, that that's um really appreciate your comments and questions, Robin, because I, I that you've articulated a lot of what we're navigating ourselves. Um and I, I imagine a lot of us are um that I don't I don't think either of us believes that um doing life really well together is a magic bullet for you know people spontaneously turning up at your door and asking you know you to introduce them to Jesus um but I think a lot of our uh, our experience I mean we were involved with um churches in the um charismatic renewal in the mid and late 80s and and following on and I think through a lot of that time we were engaged with a lot of um outreach evangelism but our experience of that was that if people did come to faith, what we were bringing them into was quite empty. Mm. And, and I, I think, you know, pendulums swing, don't they? And I, I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of the time I live my life in the land of both and, that, that it's, it's that I, don't, I don't want to, um, I, I, I don't find that kind of outreach evangelism personally I find I find that quite challenging even though I know it's something as a Christian I'm meant to do and I want to get better at it um but I think as we've been reflecting over our experience of 30 plus years um which I know is not as long as as, as others on this call but it's just made us it's made us think if we're going to do this and it's going uh, we, we want to make sure that we're bringing people into yeah. into something real and vital and and life transforming that we've we've not experienced it so we don't know how we just know that it's a gap um and I, I think yeah we can certainly um, empathize um with the situation you describe about how do we come out of lockdown effectively because we we do life as part of a a wider community in, in the council estate that we moved to a few years ago is about 15 16 of us currently and again everyone on the spectrum of um would have been meeting all the way through to still not quite sure about whether this is okay um but we did we did manage our first outdoor fellowship meal um wrapped up warm um a few days ago which was amazing just to be in the same space as every, everybody again um mm. uh, really really grateful for that opportunity but what it looks like to start to start gathering for worship and start gathering for fellowship again in the, in the new world we're not really entirely sure so um but we do we do feel that it will be important to have some fixed points of of worship and um communion and and fellowship in that because our experience even over the last few weeks of, as things have begun to ease a little bit in england is that we're all getting our diaries out and and failing to get them to match up Hmm. um and and it, it gets exhausting even with 15 people of, of you know when are you free when are you free but to have something that like we did last week when it's a fixed point in the in the diary once a month actually gets around that i think hmm. sorry i don't know if that's i'm just empathizing <laughs> anyone else like to add thank you robin and claire i think um i think what you're saying is is challenging us all and as as we think about this idea of creating environment where people can flourish be they christians of 50 years or christians of a few days i think that's really important i think one of the things that covid has done 
it's actually done a lot of good for us as church because it's stopped a loads of the things that we were doing. Um, it's broken our routine. And in one sense, I thought I'd really missed the fact that we didn't meet together and we weren't singing songs over and over again. But actually, uh, <laughs> I've not missed that because I think we, we had started to lose you know, go to a big conference and, and, you know, there was the worship band and I love that atmosphere, but somehow I felt there was something more. Mm. Um, and I just felt that over the last years, we've met as an online community with locally and across the, to the, the States. Actually, I feel that we've actually worshipped more by not singing um, than we were worshipping when we were singing. And I think there's a new, there's like a new sound that's being released from heaven that's, as you say, it's all about how the, the lifestyle is. And so I think it, it is a challenge um, of, of how we move out of lockdown into the, into the new worship. Um, and for some of us, proximity is possible with a few of us in Petersfield, but proximity with Donna and with Jim and Mary and others um, in, in America is not possible. So we have to be able to create, I like what you said was um, a, a, a blend of proximity and, uh, and online. And so I guess my question really is, how do we move into a place of, of, of worship that God wants to hear rather than worship that I feel good at. Mm -hmm. mm. Absolutely, that's a really good question. I'd love to hear what people think. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer the question, but I, I, I think that is, it is central, isn't it? That, that in the past we've gone to worship services and we come away because and we felt really good. But I, I'm beginning to wonder that actually I want to worship God in my whole being, yeah. and my whole life that makes him happy. Yeah. And it's creating that environment, yeah. that community with people that are like-minded. I, th I think if I can uh, answer briefly, I think part of the answer is, comes back to this whole thing about discipleship that, and this is one thing we became aware of towards the end of our experience of church as it used to be was that we were providing a service that people and people would come up um they'd pay their tithes they'd receive a service and they they would go away having and i'm not saying that all church can be like that but i whatever whether it's church in a more traditional format or whether it's a very different um model of church i believe that it's vital that we are raising up disciples and we're expecting that every every member of a church is a disciple or every member of a community is a disciple because we're not going to make disciples effectively if we are not a community of disciples. And I think if that is our, our starting point and our benchmark, then I think we will very easily move away from worship that is about me getting my needs met to worship that is truly about the presence of God being at the centre and being honoured and revered as he should be. And where we... One other thing, that if I can just... Sorry, my mind is buzzing with thoughts, but over in my recent journey, it's... At some point along the way, I had the revelation that every time we worship, we're joining in with that scene in Revelation 4 and 5. And I can no longer just stand there like a ramrod 
like a kind of typical Englishman, if I can say it like that, because I was one for many years, um, totally unaffected in my body and just opening my mouth to, to sing the words. Because if I'm seeing myself alongside those 24 elders who continue throwing themselves on the floor and throwing their crowns down at Jesus' feet, then that changes the way I respond. It's, I guess it's a revelation of the holiness of the God that we're worshipping, um, that we need in the church and in our communities. No, I was just remembering that song, When the Music Fades, and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's as worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you something more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you desire, but a heart of worship. And I think through all the COVID stuff, God has stripped away stuff that we've become dependent on to feel good, in what we see as the presence of God. But for me, I've found all sorts of different ways that God sort of stripped away, but also helped me to engage personally. One is the, 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 the awareness of the tongue as God has given me, the constant flow that I used to just you know, sometimes pray in tongues, but the sort of awareness of the Spirit of God praying through me or worshipping and that connection being so close, there's that. And just this thing where I, I agree with some people, you can get to the point in a worship time, which is wonderful. And, and I, I agree, I think the sense of the awe of God is what I get a lot in the gathered moment, I do feel God comes in an amazing way. And it does cause us to fall down in places and gets us to a place of, of the awesome nature of God. And I think there's a place for that, but it, we don't become dependent on that. We can get to that in our own time or we're in a small group. And I, I just feel maybe God's bringing us back to just being responsive in our moment by moment, or if we're busy, God understands if we're busy working or looking after kids or helping an elderly person. We can't, you know, it's being aware of God at very specific times, but almost being carried, being soaked in God for the purpose to which we're called, whether it's doing something, being there for somebody, or leading the group for that week or whatever. I, I just feel it's like, I don't know if making sense to anybody here. Oh, yeah. I'm just, Flimsy yes, it's just, um, <clears throat> I feel God's been using this time to get us back to, a, to the heart of worship. Mm. And it's all about him. Mm. And it's all about him wherever we are, mm. wherever size meeting, and it's letting the Holy Spirit bring those different emphases. Sometimes there'll be an emphasis on fasting. Sometimes there'll be an emphasis on intercession. There's going with the flow, if you get me, rather than think we've got to have the 10 minutes of this or whatever. And that's or the or model. But it's just like having that awareness of when you're in a group to know, to know what God is saying and to go with it. And to flow together, but that—that's my—that's my just contribution as I think 
as I'm listening to what's being said, but I, my passion is church um, becoming more and more what God wants us to be. And I, I, I just trust that Jesus is preparing his bride. I've, I've got to believe that we can't just keep thinking there's got to be a new way, but to dig in with the Holy Spirit and say, God, make us ready, prepare your bride, make us... Ready and relevant. Relevant, ready and relevant. Yes. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah, very know. good, Hannah. Of all the people, Hannah, that I know, you would be in the top five of worshippers that I <laughs> come across in my life. Yeah, I'd agree. So with that. we honour you, Hannah, for the heart that you carry. Well, I'm passionate about the presence of God, whether it's in a gathered moment, mm. but also. When I'm walking on my own, I just think, oh, God, I just want that connection. And I, I think he's given me, and I'm sure we've all got that flow of tongues or just that communing heart. But that's the core. Mm. And that's what I feel God's been saying. But I'm, listen I'm listening out to what other, God, other God's been saying to other people because I'm here to learn, but I also feel mm. it's a pivotal time. There's yeah. so much going out there, almost some rubbishing the church. I can't be doing that. God's been yeah. building his church all this time. I'm dedicated to seeing what God's doing. Amen. And I feel we all are. We're passionate, aren't we? Amen. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Thanks. Tim. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think that uh, worship is, is so much more than just a gathered group of people. You know, we're, we're, I, I believe we're called to worship God at all times. And that's yeah. not just about singing. It's about living our lives mm -hmm. in a way that worships God, mm -hmm. that brings glory to God. And I think we could be in a danger of just taking church from a building into a home and doing the same thing yeah. that we did in, in the building and making all the same mistakes and it not being accessible to people outside of the church. I believe worship's about... Ultimately, for me, it's about my relationship with God yeah. and living a worshipful lifestyle in relationship with God. And that then comes into a wider group with my friends and, and, and people I meet with that we, you know, we, we can worship God together and we can share together. But I think where we fall down for me is we then try to have this sort of meeting which is completely alien to a non-believer. And at that point, we can't bring them into it. It was said earlier, you know, we couldn't bring people into it because it was, it was nothing for them. And I think, you know, if they're going to know we're Christians by our love, we must be able to draw people in to our group of relationships Rather, you know, that's the church. It's a group of people in relate. You know, we're all the church, but we're in a relationship. And as soon as we start to formalize that, we get into things that is unfriendly for the non-believer. Yeah. And, and we can't draw them in. Paul writes, he says, um, our goal is to present every man complete in Christ. And I've always believed that that's not just talking about the church. That's talking about everyone we see walking down the street. And if we're going to present them in complete in Christ, there's got to be some way we can draw them into our community so that they see our love and our lifestyle of worship. 
And as soon as we limit worship to singing a few songs, uh, I think we're on that road to, you know, alienating them. Uh, for me, that's, yeah, as an evangelist, that's... That's an evangelist speaking there. That's <laughs> not an evangelist. Donna? I'm, I'm struck by um, all the different teachings that we've been getting um, on um, the re resurrect. No, that's not it. <laughs> this, this group of people. And um, that, you know, I'm, I'm truly believing that we are moving into a great awakening that's going to infiltrate every nation of the world. Oh. And it's going to bring in a lot of young believers, just new converts. And all of these things that are being taught, um, like Robin and Claire are getting this, this download of what can worship be. And, and John did a teaching a couple of weeks ago of, of other things. And it's like God is preparing us to be able to welcome these new converts and to be able to disciple them in a way that just as Tim said, isn't going to take them away somewhere. It's not gonna throw them off because it's so documented and, and our young converts are people who are often not used to that kind of thing. They, they want freedom and they want different and they want all those kinds of things. And I just, I just am so excited that God is working his way into all of this and preparing us for those young people that are coming in that, um, we're gonna we're gonna have a way to woo them into the body of Christ, into the love of Christ, into wanting to be passionate, like Hannah is, you know, about the church and about Jesus and all of those things. And it's gonna just cause. I, I just think that things are gonna be. I get Jesus bumps just talking about it because I think it's so exciting what God is doing, and it's not just worship and it's not just this or that. It's a combination and a culmination of everything at one time, and um, and what He's doing in individually, I think, is opening our hearts to such a degree that we are gonna have the the passion and the ability to love all of these people that were are probably different than what I've ever been or ever seen, but we'll be able to say, I love you. Come, we want to show you. We want to show you our Jesus. We want to talk to you about him and introduce you to him. And so um, I, I'm preaching, but that's that's what I'm thinking. I get so excited about these things. And so I just, um, I think this all works together. All these different things work together because he's preparing us to welcome the new people into into our lifestyle and um i don't know, know. I love I love yeah i love you preach we love it when you preach <laughs> amen danalou <laughs> before i pass to john Noble, because i'm hoping john Noble will also address if he can uh robin clark's point because that has been uh, an issue for us over the last year even around our, our own household of we're now in a time and season where there are so many different views mm. on what well, Robbie's example was on COVID, meeting, not meeting. Then you could go into the political arena. It's almost like the enemy's raising up these issues on a level that is not 
in that is not helping unity. No. And so we've had to really work through the yeah. come above, come up higher, come up above the issue, even in, in what we we politically or socially yeah. think. Um, and it it it's almost like we're saying, well, this this is this is what God wants, and he, he will do it. But he's dealing with our, ourselves at the moment in how we handle these things that that Robin Clark raised about, you know. We've, we've got a whole bunch of people that we're in community with who've got very different views in the flesh level. Let's call it a flesh level. <laughs> and, and, and the challenge is to live above that. And our flesh is always fighting that, isn't it? So yeah. I'm hoping John might say something about that. But John, feel <laughs> free to say whatever. Because I know that you, you've, been, you've been raising this as an issue as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah. I found it very, very fascinating. And I, I, I must say, uh, like others, I've gone along with pretty well everything you've said. I don't have any any problems. I think the danger for us is that we get stuck in, in, in one aspect of life. And church life is a huge diversity. Mm. And the sad thing is about the church is that we seldom allow the unity of the spirit to travel far enough for the church to become a dynamic force within the community. Because uh, the two things I would say is, first of all, that... Uh, when we come into the body of Christ, we're joined uh, and we're to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So where two or three are gathered in my name, have been gathered by Jesus in my name, there am I in the midst of you, can ask what you will and it shall be done. I mean, that, that is the key factor. The church is made up of, of committed people to one another because God gave them a vision to join. And I can look back to many failures in my life but I can look back to people like John and Chris and Jim Holler, who was mentioned tonight, Tony Pullen, Dave Bilber. These are all people that grew up in our community or in our relationships, and they have remained in relationship, uh, whether we're geographically located or not. And I think we need to see that as an aspect of community. I, we have, Christine and I have never lived on our own. The big peak of our community in Romford, we had 200 people living in Collier Road within 200 yards of each other. And we mowed one another's lawns and we shared one another's fridges mm -hmm. and we paid one another's bills. I mean, we, we did all of that stuff mm -hmm. and it was great and it was successful to a great degree. I think the looking out aspect of it uh, to some degree was, was missing, but that was where we were at in those days. And at the peak of a community in our house, we had 17 people living in our home with five bedrooms and one bathroom. And it was harmony because we asked God about who should join us who should be linked with us? And when they came, they were joined and, and we worked submitting to one another and, and it worked very, very well. And I think where, where we didn't get to and where so many churches don't, but I have seen glimpses of it, is that, that, that our mission is to transform the community. It's not to build a bigger church or more groups. It's to be the church in the community. Therefore, the Holy Spirit needs to help us to see, and I've seen it in certain places, where we are running the doctor's surgery, where we have a film club. We had a, a, a gothic rock band in Norway that were reaching young people in, in the goth movement, uh, but they were touched by the Holy Spirit. So we've seen glimpses of it. And I think the sad thing is we need evangelists. We need tent meetings. We need people in the surgery that are, are praying for their patients. And, and the church can outbreak into that, then we begin to affect the community. We see it a little bit here in North Leatherhead. My daughter and her friend uh, started a, a shop selling quality 
uh, secondhand gear to single mums. And they've been there now for 10 years and they begin to see a little group of people coming together. If the Holy Spirit fell on that, that would be an amazing thing. Absolutely. But it's, it's just something. And it's a little testimony to what God can do. And so my prayer is that the church takes up its mission uh, and that we are prepared through the service of ministry to uh, do the works that the church is intended to do, which is to be the apostle to the community, the prophet to the community, the pastor to the community, and, and, and bring the community through to a place where it is in relationship with God. Ultimately, the whole of Leatherhead could come into that, and we've all see it in the surgery, we see it in the school, we see it in the theatre, we acquired a theatre in Leatherhead, which we, we saw a measure of success in, but that's about to close down if we don't uh, get some funds because of COVID. But, but, you know, that's the sort of thing we need to see. And the reason we got the theatre was because we felt God told us that we wanted to buy the theatre and to get it functioning as a theatre for the community. And uh, in that sense, it has had uh, an effect to some degree. But I must say, I'm not boasting here to say that we've seen what we long for. Mm -hmm. And that longing that I've heard expressed through uh, Hannah and others, you know, it's there, isn't it? We just want to see the church break out. But if we haven't got static, permanent, lasting relationships, mm -hmm. there's nothing to bring them into. Yeah, that's right. Into, into relationships. So evangelists, pastors, prophets, doctors, nurses, <laughs> teachers, we had 12 teachers in one school at one time, and that had an impact in the school. Yeah. And we called that SALT. And then we opened up our own school, which is still going in, in, uh, in Collier Road, and that became light. So we had SALT in the school where the teachers were there praying, 12 out of a staff of about 120, and then we had the, the school as well. So all of these things, I think, are there. And if we focus on the bit that God's given us to do to the exclusion of what he's given you to do or someone else to do, I think true apostolic ministry actually finds out and helps people to find out what their anointing is to do and to get them doing it with all of their heart and doing it together and, and just not sort of brick building churches that do what the other church has done and try to do it better. We all yeah. need to oh, it. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, done, done. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's a, passion. it's a passion. The church is my passion. Yeah. I, you know, I love worshiping, but the church is my right. passion. Get the church right, and yeah. hallelujah. Yeah. So our time's running out. Hannah, would you would you pray for us to to bring it all together? Oh, uh, Lord, thank you. You're right here Amen. in the middle of our community here. Hallelujah. And Lord, we worship you. Yeah. We just want to say we bow down and Hallelujah. we say you are awesome. We love you. Mm. And we say we want the more of what you have for us, oh, your Hallelujah. download oh, for us as church 2021. Mm, yeah. Thank you for all you've built in the years before. And we thank you for all the giftings Hallelujah. and the... Uh, outpourings of the holy spirit we've seen but we say lord we see more coming down the road from you and we say god will you equip um the delamores in, in um up north and mm. all of us that we would actually uh, rise up to be this church mm. to be equipped to be centered on you mm. to be as, as it were, mirroring your, reflecting your great grace mm. to those around, Father. We 
we don't want to get caught in the the stuff that's going on that isn't helpful. We want to, yes, rise above and see, have our eyes lifted up to see what you are saying, to see what you are looking at. And Father, to take our eyes, really to fix our eyes on you. You are the author and finisher of our faith, the one who builds the church. And we say, come on, Lord, use us. And we extend this prayer out to every believing church. Say, God, will you build your church? Yes, will you bring your kingdom in? And Lord, we are right with you. We are wanting to be right, um, leaning in for this next phase. Amen. Not deviating, not holding back, but right up close, mm-hmm. ready and willing. And and saying, Lord, I just pray for each person here that there'll be something of yes your uh, specific word to them this week that they will know that you've spoken to them for the next step for anything you want to add anything you want to take away for what you want to the specifics for now we ask for that and we just speak blessing on everybody's gifting and anointing that god you would just steer them and lead them in what you want them to be fruitful in for Mm. you are the one who brings life Mm. to everything we do Mm. so god we thank you for this time of listening and receiving from you and we say more lord we thank you for your love and Mm. our togetherness in you in jesus Mm. name amen amen Amen. 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 thank you everyone thank you chris can i show you Jim, yeah. Yes, can I share a scripture I heard this morning from the Lord? And it was Matthew 16, 18. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Yes. So whatever it's gonna look like, it'll be beautiful. He's gonna build it. So um I just want to let him build it. Yep. Amen. Amen. Amen.